I'm Jeff Hausman. Welcome to House of Hoops, episode 36. It's Monday, October 19th, 2020. Thank you for listening. On the phone, I got Laddie tonight. Yo, what up, what up, what up? Hey, Laddie. Laddie's currently, he's a currently unemployed radio host, but I'm glad to have him here with me tonight. Yeah, I'm taking your money. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm taking all your money, so please pay all your taxes. Pay Everyone pay their taxes. I need to take your money, your money, and especially your money. All right. I guess I can't stop you. Later. <laughs> that didn't mean you. I meant like everybody else listening. Like, if you pay your taxes, then I get paid unemployment. So pay your taxes so I don't have to have a job. Come on, people. This is America. That it is. A little later, Bo Brady may be joining us. I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, today, we've got, I guess it's tonight, we've got a little NBA news. We've got some Halloween movies we're going to take a look back at um we got maybe a little uh draft news with us nba draft is coming up and then we also have some free agent stuff but not much in the nba this week but uh we'll try to have some fun we'll try to talk a little hoops but thanks for everybody for listening. All six of you. Laddie, how have you been? Uh, pretty good, man. Just kind of hanging out, you know. Just uh, today, I, I worked with a buddy of mine. Picked up. Uh, he has a lawn care business, mm. and he was like, "Hey, why don't you come do this? You know, help me out and make a little bit of coin, you know." And uh, so I did that. A little side work. Yeah, you know, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of money, a little bit of money, money. So it's pretty good, you know. Yeah, man. But it was, it was weird. Like, I mean. Uh, I'm in this 15 foot trailer and it's filled with mulch and I had to like literally like shovel the mulch into a wheel wheelbarrow and then had to wheel it to said de- destination. And this house, it didn't have just like, if you look at a, a normal house, you have like a flower bed where well, they had like a flower bed and then it was like outlined by brick and then they had another bigger flower bed right in front of that. So we had like double the duty. Hmm. And the way they explained it to me, it was, we basically did four people's yards. <laughs> yeah. A little manual. Labor. Yeah. It's not done either. That's good. Oh for yeah. You. And it's not done yet. We still got to go back tomorrow. We still got to go back tomorrow and do it. Yeah. There's less daylight now. What's that? Well, that's what I told him. I was like, man, it's the sun's going down at like six 30 now. So we have to hurry up and do this. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it was fun. It got me out of the house, but man, I, one of the guys basically kind of fractured his wrist and 
So that's kind of the reason why they had me basically shovel all the mulch into the wheelbarrow. And he would, I was giving it to him and he was spreading it out in the flower beds, you mm-hmm. know, while this other guy was like pressure washing, like the, 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 the walkway and stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was hard, man, <laughs> you know, sitting behind a microphone all day long and then going and doing that is completely different, you know? Yeah. That's taxing. If you're not used to it, I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to be sore. <laughs> And I'm going to, well, I work out every day though. So like that, that was the the big thing I got away with this. It was like, man, if I didn't work out as much as I do, I would, this would really suck, <laughs> you know? So it's going to hurt tomorrow. I understand that. But like, I'm going to sleep like a fucking baby tonight. Not excited about that. Good. What have you been doing? Oh, I've been busy this week. I didn't really work a whole lot this week, but it was my girlfriend's birthday. So took off for that and we hung out had a good time we kind of went would you buy her we went around to different places i didn't necessarily buy her anything i i gave her cash really (laughs) yeah yeah what else what else happened this week uh i played in this like golf tournament on saturday which was fun me and evan from the podcast played how did that work it was okay we got we tied for second place Lost the oh, coin. No shit. Yeah, we lost the coin flip though, so we got third. But that was all right. Oh. Evan had back to back eagles. Really? Yeah. Like from sixty yards out or something. And the, it was really? a, yeah, it was a weird tournament though. It was this it's not your normal golf tournament. It's called the one club challenge. And oh, I know. Yeah, you take that one club and you play with it. Yeah. And we played at Overton. So it's definitely different. It's fun though. It's a fun. It's always a fun event every year. You're trying to putt and chip with whatever you got—a two iron or a six iron, whatever it is. I mean, good luck. Right, eh, right. No, but that's cool. At least y'all did that well. What did you use? I use a six iron. Nice. What did Evan use? I think he had like a three iron hybrid or something, which is good because it has less loft and you can putt a little easier with it. I think. Right. But. Are most of the were most of the holes par three? Well, at Overton, I don't think there's any par fives, but there's. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, Overton, my bad. There's threes and fours, mostly short fours, but I mean, six iron, you can almost reach the green on every single hole. There's not much. There's left. like everything's pretty short. Right, and a lot of people, if they're listening to this podcast and they don't know, Overton Golf Course is the oldest golf course in uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. 1912 can you believe that 1912 is when they started that bad boy up it's one of the oldest courses in the country it is yeah you're absolutely right i mean it's kind of cool i actually during the whole quarantine thing i would park my car across the street from overton park and i would just run on up there and just start playing (laughs) i know it's against the law but you know what hey laws are made to be broken my friend all you need is a couple balls and a couple clubs like (laughs) i took my girlfriend with me and she she was like scared and shitless to a point. She was like, Oh my God, we're going to get in trouble. I'm like, no, we're fine. Like it's okay. <laughs> you know? And then next thing you know, she had never played before. And then she ended up doing really well. She used my clubs. I kind of like showed her, just gave her like a small little lesson. I mean, she did really good. And I think that one of the biggest things is I forgot the hole. Maybe it's like number six. I think that leads up against Poplar and you have to go over the little gully or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? It's either six or whatever. Um, I think that's seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah, yeah, seven. Anyways, she hit it over that. 
and she like that made that made her day and i was like yeah good job because that's yeah. off from the tee that's like 40 or 50 yards away and like if you've never played golf before you're probably not going to make it over that yeah it's uh intimidating for a new player shit it's intimidating for me too bro and then she went and <laughs> nailed it i was like all right that's what's up good job she's a quick learner yeah that's cool you guys should do that more often yeah, we, we, we do, man. It's just really cool. Like when you can kind of teach somebody something, you know, and like they catch on really, really quick, it makes your job a easier, but B it's more thrilling to be like, well, let's see what else you can do. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. And I think it's pretty cheap to play there at the, uh, Overton. It's not very expensive at all. And you can walk it, just carry like a few clubs. It's fun. Yeah, it really is. I used to play there a lot back when I was like still trying to figure out the game or whatever, just screwing around. Anyway, it appears that Bo Brady has joined us. Hello. Hello, Bo. I'm back from the the dead or something like that. Hey, better late than never. Yeah, sorry about that. It's very unprofessional, as you, as you would say. <laughs> yes, and we're very professional over here, Bo. It's no big deal. Really? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Bo, how you been? What have you been up to this week? Uh, n- pretty normal. Mondays, have, as I'm beginning to realize, are a complete shit show for me. The kids had school off Thursday and Friday, and Kate took work off. So we we went and did a bunch of day trips to different state parks in the area and did a bunch of hikes and went to a couple breweries near those state parks. It was fun. So he got drunk and forgot about the podcast that he was trying to say, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was the man driving, so I had one beer at each brewery. You know, we went to one brewery a day. So You have children. They are supposed to be driving the car. That's, that's true. Do you not realize this, yes? Hello? You have children. Well, they, they are in the back seat still by law. It's, well, you're a bad parent if you haven't taught them how to drive yet. I'm sorry. Yeah. How old are they? Three, five, and seven. You're a horrible parent. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, because that that adds up to what fifteen. So they should at least have their learner's permit. Did you ever see the Tom Green show where he went and he went to like the New York public schools and he was trying to get the kids to smoke cigarettes through the fence? Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's hands down one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of all time because this is when Tom Green was doing that reality, like shock reality. Um, yeah, he was show? he was the original all gas no brakes guy, right? Right, and then so this guy's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He was like, "I'm teaching them how to smoke, man." He's like, "These are children." He's like, "Yeah, but they need to learn somehow." <laughs> and you know, just Tom Green just being funny, and and it was a really really good episode. You got to check it out if you haven't. That's hysterical. I will. I like Tom Green. Yeah, me too. I remember he did, the, and then like in the same episode, he did the undercutters. Where if you uh, ordered yes. a pizza from somebody, he would roll up and try to like make a pizza. So he put all like the pizza toppings in a tackling box, like a fishing tackling box, and he would run up there. It's like, yo, I got you right here, dude. You paid ten dollars, I got you for five dollars right here. People are like, get the fuck off my lawn, man. <laughs> I do remember that skit. Yeah, that was funny. yeah. Tom Green's pretty good. That cigarette story reminds me of a funny story hanging out at a it was like a bar restaurant like a bar and grill with some friends we were drinking there were some kids like 
I think they were playing like the video games or something at the restaurant. And there was like a cigarette machine and we were kind of leaving. I was like, oh, look, a cigarette machine. Like you don't see those too often anymore where you could put money in and just get cigarettes out of it. So these kids are like playing video games right next to the cigarette machine. I jokingly looked over at one of the kids and I was like, hey, kids, you guys want any of these cigarettes? And they looked at me as if I had told them their parents were dead. They all freaked out. They took off running back to their parents, I guess. And uh, I was paying with cash, so I just threw money on the table and left. But all my friends were paying with, like, credit cards and shit, so they had to, like, wait there. And I guess the parents came back, and they were like, what did you say to my children? And started yelling at everybody. (laughs) Like, you're offering children cigarettes over here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i would have been like jeff left his money on the table for your kids to smoke dude do you want it or not i took off but my friends are so mad i think evan was there he could tell you what happened probably better than me because i wasn't there <laughs> so back in the day when we were in high school like in like the mid to late 90s they had one of those cigarette machines you're talking about jeff you put your money in you pull the thing and the cigarettes fly out of it right mm-hmm. Well, we would go there underage and buy our cigarettes because yeah. it's right next to the back door. And the back door is the door that everybody goes into. Nobody yeah. uses that front door. And so anyways, we would just roll in the back and literally it's right there. You didn't even have to go into the restaurant to get those cigarettes. And that's what we did. It was awesome. So our friend Robbie, we'd always blame it on Robbie. Like, we're going to go get Robbie's paycheck. That was like code for we're going to go get some cigarettes illegally. <laughs> You know what nice. Robbie does for a living? You know what Robbie does for a living right now? Is he a cop? He's a priest. Oh. <laughs> All right. I won't. Com- I won't comment on any of that. No. Yeah. Uh, well, why not, dude? Because <laughs> a priest doesn't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. 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 Well, I mean, back in the day before they were, you know, I don't want to say anything either. <laughs> no. The now. That's just a, if you're going to talk about priests and Catholic Catholicism and where I think you're going with this, I think the, what was that movie Spotlight? They brought up a good point that, that, that the prevalence of pedophilia in that sort of a setting is, is just, a, it's a, it's essentially a, you, you sample the general population and, and what the instances of pedophilia is in a general population is the same of in a large Catholic organization. So, you know, that's what they narrowed down in, in that movie Spotlight, which was good. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. Great movie. About, no, I, very disturbing. I haven't I haven't seen that at all. But here's another thing. There's a Catholic priest got busted last week. He was having sex with two girls on the fucking pulpit. Yeah, and that was, was that was in Louisiana. Yeah. So it, I mean it was, like it was on film. Let me tell you something, man. He filmed Look, it. I, I don't yeah, he felt he he set the whole thing up, and he's banging these two chicks. So look, these priests—I don't care. I mean, look—if you're fucking with young boys, that's a the worst thing ever, and you should probably die. And um, but at the end of the day, you've had a couple of drinks, you're gonna bang something, and he, this dude's trying to bang women. Guess what? You probably shouldn't be a priest, there, homeboy. I mean, you know according according to society's moral standards, yes. Well, the Catholic thing is a little weird because they can't—they're supposed to be celibate, differently. Like, Episcopal religion, you can get married and, and all that. Have you guys seen Fleabag? I don't think so. Uh-oh. It's on uh, Amazon. You guys should watch that. 
it's really good. It takes a little bit to get get into, maybe, but uh, she it's just it's a British show, and it's about this girl who is a flea bag, basically. I would recommend. I would recommend it. Okay. Look, I don't care who you are, man. Three shots of Jägermeister, and you put somebody naked in front of somebody. You trying to try to fuck that person? I don't care if you're a priest, a pastor, or you're fucking working at AutoZone. You all have a dick. It's gonna happen. No, I agree completely. It's um, it's human nature. Right, right. Saying they gotta be celibate. Mm, I mean, you, you know what? You know, do, hey, good luck to you, brother. Good luck to you. I agree. Basically, all I got out of that was Laddie will fuck anything after a little Jägermeister. Three or four, he said. Give him some space here. <laughs> yeah, but I got a, I got a, I got a girlfriend, so she's the only one I'm going to be banging. You know, I'm not For a now. piece of shit. Like, I mean, I know my, well, I know my, I know my, you know, I'm not a piece of shit. I know, I know what I need to be doing or not. I'm definitely not going to be fucking touching boys or girls or that kind of shit. As long as there's no Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. As long as I've known you, you've never gotten in trouble for that yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, right. No, man, I'm not trying to do all that kind of stuff. I think I'm <laughs> pretty, pretty normal when it comes to that end. Sure. But speaking of movies, we'll be talking about movies a little later on, though. Halloween movies. Boom. I'm all about it. Yeah. I got some stuff on that. That will be fun later. Yeah. I think what so we I. should do is we should start with... Like uh, the very little bit of basketball stuff that we have. So in the news this week, Ty Lue got a job. Yes. Ty Lue agreed to a five-year deal with the Clippers. Our guy Brian that was on last week, he predicted it. I don't know if Ty Lue's a better coach than Doc Rivers, but he's different. And I think that's what they were going for is just something different. Tyron Jamar Lue. He's the former player, played for the Lakers. He kind of was a journeyman in uh, the NBA. He's most known as the former head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James that won the NBA title. Players coach. I don't know what the Clippers are saying with this hire. Tyron Lue is known to have a strong ability to communicate with players. It seems the Clippers have confidence in his championship pedigree and playoff success. It doesn't seem like a lateral move. It seems like a move down. I just, I, maybe I just hold Doc Rivers in higher regard. I think I said this previously. The Clippers petered out. They had championship aspirations, mm-hmm. and Ballmer did not hire Doc Rivers. That was a mm-hmm. hire of the previous ownership. And so sometimes the ownership just wants to make their own get, make their own hire, and then if they win the championship, they can say, mm-hmm. you know, Ballmer will be able to say, well, I, you know, I, I was. I knew I knew Tyrone could do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken on this before. I just kind of meant, like, you think Ty can get it done? I mean, the Clippers, nope. the Clippers underachieved this year. Maybe they'll have gel time for next season. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe they can, maybe they can't. But I, I think the chances would have been the same with Doc or with Tyrone. Sure. I understand that. I think they're going to get worse. Uh-oh. I I think yeah I think that Tyron Lue congratulations you had LeBron James boom you won a championship uh, that's awesome here's the deal did you hear about all the turmoil that was going on inside the locker room with X amount of players did you hear about that why don't you go in detail 
So basically what they were saying is that a lot of the players around that squad, Patrick Beverly, I think being one of them, uh, some uh, and, and, and Montrez Harrell, they're basically saying that uh, Leonard, Kawhi Leonard would get special treatment. And Paul George was just basically absent when it came to talking, um, like just dealing, dealing with the team. Like he wasn't, you know, you're having a team meeting. Paul George is like, yo, hey, pay attention, dude. Right. So they're saying that a lot of that in the special treatment that, that Kawhi Leonard would get mm-hmm. compared to all the other players, that hit the locker room. They were up three to one. They should have won that series, man. I'm sorry, but they should have won that series, right, in the playoffs. Absolutely. And they lost. So I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, it's it's a situation. And I'm sorry, but I think that if I'm a veteran player, if I'm a new player or whatever player on that squad, I'm probably going to listen to Doc Rivers a little more than Tyrone Liu. That's all I'm saying. I really like Doc Rivers. But I think there's too much turmoil in there. So I don't care if you hire Tyrone Liu, if you hire Steve Kerr, if you hire Andrew Latimer. I don't give a fuck. I still think the situation is it's a breeding ground for negativity. And I think that one of those pieces has to move, either you know, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. They got to move because I think they had an awesome squad and something is wrong. You know, when you're having Lou Williams come off the bench and he's winning games for you like he should as a sixth man, you know, that's fucking awesome. You're up three to one. All you had to do is win one game and you had Kawhi Leonard. He won a championship the year before. I don't think it's a Doc Rivers situation. I don't think it's a Tyrone Lou situation. And I don't think it's a Bomber situation. I think it's an internal situation and they need to hurry up and blow that up because next year is not going to be any better than this. And I will predict that they're going to have a worse record than they did this year as well. Hmm. All right. I did see some stuff about some of the players saying they needed a better point guard. I could see Tyron Lue trying to work with management to try to get a point guard. Maybe they can get Rondo. Maybe they can get like a Derrick Rose or something. There's going to be guys available. But who knows? I don't know. I I don't know if they do worse. I don't know if that's possible. If you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you should be a playoff team. I don't know if they'll fall out of the playoffs or anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they could do much worse than losing in the second round after having a 3-1 lead, other than not making it out of the first round, mm-hmm. which they should be a top four seed and be able to beat. Yeah. Well, do y'all, think that, do y'all think that their record is going to be better this next year rather than it was this year? Mm, I think it'll probably be around the same, but uh, I think they might be a little lower because you do have the Warriors coming back. I don't know about Houston, but there's going to be strong teams in the West. The whole West is so stacked. I mean, they're all just going to be beating up on each other all season. What were they, second in the West at playoff time? And we Yeah, they were second. And who knows how many games they're going to end up playing. It's a tough call. I don't know if they'll be. Yeah. I think they'll be around the same like winning percentage. I really do. Because they're going to load manage Kawhi, shit like that. I guess, I guess. I just think, like I said, I kind of, I kind of think that, and, and I was wrong this year. I, I was wrong. I was talking all that shit about Jimmy Butler. I was completely wrong, and I'll be the first to admit it. I still think Kawhi Leonard, and I'd said this before on the podcast as well. That I think, look, I think Kawhi Leonard and, and Jimmy Butler that same kind of prima donna kind of attitude, and I was completely wrong about Jimmy Butler. 
uh, that he's a gamer, but I still think that Kawhi Leonard, and then when it comes out, what people are saying that he was getting uh, special treatment and stuff, yeah. and I wanted to hold out and do all this. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that it's a lot more than yeah. what, what people think it is. I'm honestly not surprised by that story really at all. Kawhi Leonard's a top tier caliber player. If he got special treatment, like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think, I mean, it should be an, it should be equal all the way around it. I, I think, but I, I think that he try, I think he tries to make himself in his situation, get more treatment than everybody else and yeah. acts differently. And, you know, yeah, it's possible. Even with the shoe deal, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you really, you're going to get a new balance. It's a former, former finals MVP, man. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the way the world works. Some people get two, special treatment. Some people don't. <laughs> Two-time Finals MVP. Yeah, I don't know. Some guys sit in first class. Some guys sit in coach. <laughs> yeah, just thought it was worth noting. That's one NBA job. Did I miss anything? Did any other NBA coaches get hired this week? I don't think so. The van. The, they're talking about the Van Gundys. Both of them, Steve and Jeff. We're still yeah, waiting he, on. We're we're yeah. still waiting from confirmation from Stan though. But uh, at least Jeff and. Jeff and shit. Jeff and Stan Van Gundy are, are looking for jobs. Yeah, there's been all kinds of fucking rumors. I, honestly, there's been so many, and I've seen so many headlines about NBA coaches that it's like not even worth keeping up with. There's so much. It would take us an hour to talk about each one. Like, oh, this, 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 and this coach are all linked to this job. It's like too much. But right, I'll we just, just. I we mean, just want Steve. I'll just wait for. <laughs> I'll just wait for it to happen and then kind of look into whether or not I think it's like a good fit or whatever, you know? And if anyone knows where Steve Van Gundy is, please let us know. Send us an Instagram message at House of Hoops, please. When I think of Steve Van Gundy, I think of a little short, bald guy that looks like Steve Kerr in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's out there. He's out there somewhere just waiting for a job. He actually exists. He's actually a real person. <laughs> yeah, you better call us up. <laughs> anyway, what what did you guys see anything in the NBA news this week that sparked your interest? Daryl Morey. Okay. Daryl Morey is he has stepped down from the Houston Rockets as general manager. I saw that story. Did he quit? Or did that man get uh, fired? I think it's probably complicated. I've listened to and read a bunch of stuff about it. And those those journalists, like NBA guys, journalists that cover the league that know people that are connected, they all are kind of saying the same thing, that the Westbrook trade was not a Moray thing, not a D'Antoni thing, that it was a James Harden and then also mm-hmm. – Whatever the new ownership owner ownership owner is, um, Tillman Fertitta, who actually there's a whole mob connection with him that's totally complicated. Did we talk about that before? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, yeah, it's a funny, like a weird background. Yeah, it was Leslie Alexander was a previous owner, and Leslie had given Alexander had given Moray like a five year extension in 2019. That was kind of ironclad on Moray's end. So I feel like as a combination of he was muzzled by ownership and by Harden, and then also the 
he did that free Hong Kong tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. China got him fired actually. I think that's part of it, which, you know, if, if the Chinese government has enough influence to have someone lose their job in the United States, then fuck the Ch- communist China party, whatever the fuck they are. Fuck them. Yeah. There was a whole thing with, with Fertitta said that Chris Paul's contract was the worst contract in history or something all all sports (laughs) well then that might be true but that's what he thought they were how they were going to beat the warriors but then chris paul hurt his hamstring and then look at the season chris paul had compared to westbrook chris paul is so good this year yeah and it's funny like as a as a memphis guy and a grizzlies fan like i've always not liked chris paul but then you put him on the rockets and he was playing for D'Antoni. I kind of liked him. And you put on the Thunder. I really liked him. It's like, give me the Chris Paul underdog. He was so fun, so good, so awesome. And I hope he's good for the next however many more years. Like, really plays at a really high level. That would just be so awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I hate to see Morey out of the NBA. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back and he does something else. Uh, he's such a smart guy that any sort of industry, they would want to hire him for for whatever i think simmons was saying that you know he wouldn't be surprised if he goes into like some major league soccer ownership group you know i wouldn't be surprised if like the nhl tried to hire him or well he was like an early guy with the analytics in basketball he's like one of the yeah. basketball pioneers well he so traded that could translate he, over to pretty much any sports management anything and you know he traded rudy gay for shane battier and then, like, I remember, I forgot who wrote it, but the New York Times had a thing on Shane Battier as the no-stats all-star. I'll have to see who wrote that. Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, like, that's clearly an analytics thing. Like, that was an <laughs> analytics-driven decision. Like, who trades for a role player for, you know, if Rudy Gay was in this draft this year with what LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman, would where would Rudy Gay be drafted as a wing? Like, he would be... Maybe even the number one pick. Oh God, I'd hope not. Well, but the the hypothetical Rudy Gay. Sure, the one that can see or the one that couldn't see. Which one are we talking about? Yeah, and they oh. were, and they got off of Stromile's contract in that trade. Houston did. Yeah, yeah. That Westbrook deal in part was Harden didn't get along with CP3. That's been widely noted. And then the other part was Fertitta not liking CP3's contract. I mean, Maury had been there for almost 15 years. It looked like Fertitta was trying to kind of smooth over the exit. He he says that uh, Maury would constantly remind him that uh, this could be the year that he could step away because of his son's high school graduation. <laughs> he would, oh, wow. He would say that he would, like, Maury would always remind him, like, I'm not going to be here forever. At some point, I might have to go back to the East Coast. And mm-hmm. it looks like it might have been mutual, but it's so hard to imagine that a guy just quits a job like that. Yeah, when, I don't think if so. things are going well, if things aren't going well, yeah, it really could have been a mutual separation because I think Maury's staying on as like a consultant. That's what kind of leads me to believe that it is more mutual than I initially thought. Like when I first saw the story, I was like, oh, hell, he got fired. But now I'm kind of coming around. Especially after seeing that he's still consulting for the Rockets, I'm like, oh, that's that's not the sign of like a bad exit. Yeah, it's like Chris Wallace and John Hollinger with the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. 
Hollinger was still consulting, but then he shortly, then shortly after that, he, yeah, he well, went to the athletic. Well, he got another job too. That's part of it. But yeah. And I'm sure Maury would stop consulting if he got another job up wherever he is. He's probably going to go work for he, Boston or something. <laughs> man, huh. I, I think I think he's going to be somewhere. I think he's still going to be in the game, and people are going to like him. You know, but he's got to keep his you know he's got to keep his, his profile down just for a little bit. You know, and the next thing you know, he's going to come out and he'll be good. Yeah, he'll probably take another stab at it. I think he's still a pretty young guy. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I saw this one news story. It was about the Lakers, and I went back and forth on whether or not to even talk about it. But So Rondo has the player option this year on his contract. He could opt out. And he do, he's not set to make much money. And as I stated last week, like this could be a time for him to strike while the iron's hot. His value is probably not going to get any higher for the rest of his career. So the Lakers could lose him. It's been reported that he's expected to test the free agent market and whether or not the Lakers are involved with that or not, it's, I don't know. But there was a story that I saw, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was about Derrick Rose going to the Lakers. <laughs> so apparently Rose has a very close relationship with fellow Chicago native Anthony Davis. I think Rose and LeBron played together briefly in Cleveland. So these guys all know each other, and Rose is coming off a pretty good season. I just thought that was interesting. I mean, I think if they lose Rondo, that's going to be a big hole to fill, and they will need something. Derrick Rose could work there. The Lakers will just coast into the playoffs, likely, using load management and using their depth at the regular season. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Rose, is he's shown to be a pretty good role player in the league since his uh, injuries have kind of, it seems like he's not been getting injured as much. What do you think? Rose was so awesome when he was here in Minnesota. Detroit's probably about to, I don't know. They're going to lose everything. Yeah. They, you know, they could very easily trade Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit could. Mm -hmm. Simmons was suggesting that, uh, that there's Zach Lowe, Bill Simmons podcast that came out today. It was, it's a good listen. They, they just talk about a bunch of crazy trade ideas. They talk about trading, you know, like I think Wiggins and the number two for Blake Griffin hmm. to the Warriors. I don't know if the Warriors would do that, but I mean, Blake Griffin was, was really good before he hurt his knee. So there is, there are moves to be made for the Detroit to blow it up. I just don't know what the Lakers would give Detroit. Yeah. I feel like the Nets would have something more to give. Well, I read something that's saying that the, the Lakers may try to get rid of Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. I don't know if they're shopping him or anything, but like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Derrick Rose is going to be a good fit with the Lakers if that happens. I think that'd be a bad, bad situation. Yeah, I don't know. He's been he played well in Detroit. He played well in Detroit. He didn't play with LeBron James in Detroit or AD or AD. See, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think with, he I think needs with Rondo, the ball, huh? Like Derrick Rose yes, needs the when, ball. 100%. 100%. He's got to have the ball in his hands. Let him make the decisions. That's why he's such a good ball player, right? Yeah, that's but why he worked Rondo, in Detroit. Yeah. Rondo, and he worked in Minnesota that way. I mean, if you weren't going to get it, Anthony Anthony Towns is going to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he would pass it to him or drop it down low to him if he didn't have the ball. But, like, 
you put him in that situation with LA, it's not going to work. Rondo's a journeyman. He's like, man, I got to get that ring. I'm going to do anything I have to do to get that ring. And I've always looked, I've, I love Rondo. I don't, his attitude, I'm in love, hate relationship with his attitude, but that dude can get you, if he wanted, he can get you damn near 15 to 20 assistant game if he damn near wanted it. He's that good. Is like sight, uh, basketball IQ, and he knows where his players are going to be. You, you, you can't put him for Derrick Rose. They're completely different ball players at that point. Right. Well, the reason I thought the Rondo story was worth mentioning is because the Clippers apparently are looking for a point guard, and Rondo could get he could get taken over uh, to L.A. from L.A. I could <laughs> right. I could see that. I, I could see that because. I think I, th- I just think that that would be I don't know. I think I think I think the Clippers are in a bad situation regardless. I mean I, I'm going to say that I think it's just a bad bad situation. I think Rondo's going to want to stick where he's at and he's going to damn near do anything. And I'm pretty sure that he'd probably take less money to do that. I don't know. It's been rumored that he'd uh, test the free agent market. I could totally see him joining the Clippers. No question about it. I think Rondo will go wherever the chance to win is prevalent and the money looks right to him and his agent. The draft, Laddie. Laddie, listen up. I'm listening. All right. The draft is coming up. We got about a month. It's been set to Wednesday, November 18th. It remains subject to change if circumstances warrant change. So, as of now, it's set, but it could change. It could be pushed back. Who Nobody really knows. I don't think the NBA really knows at this point. They're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants here. There are teams that I think are in bad shape, and these are the teams I'm really going to look at in the draft. Obviously, I'll be watching to see what Memphis does, and you know the top picks, which are Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, those teams I'll be looking at to see what they do with those picks, but those teams aren't necessarily in like super bad shape. The teams that I want to look at draft time, I think Sacramento's in bad shape, Cleveland, Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago, and New York. And then I have like second tier bad shape teams like Orlando, Washington, and Charlotte. What I'm going to do for the draft is I'm going to watch those teams to really see what they do and in free agency, but the draft will come first. That's unless something crazy happens. Those are the teams that I'm really going to zero in on. I don't know if any other team really changes the trajectory of their franchise through this draft, but these teams I'm very interested in. I'll watch, you know, the first five picks or the first three picks are teams that aren't really in bad shape. And then we have these teams who all have pretty decent picks. We'll have something for the draft before and during the draft, I think. I think we talked about maybe doing like a live podcast during the draft. I'm not really sure what any of our draft stuff is going to be. I'm still kind of working on it, but we'll have something. We're just kind of still working on that. We got a few weeks to figure it out, and right now I'm just kind of like going through my board and trying to get notes on players and kind of be ready when it happens. Over the next few weeks, we'll have draft stuff. That's all I'm saying. 
free agency. We don't know when that starts or what the cap number will be for the teams. I do know there's 43 players that have options on their contracts that will either result in free agency or another year playing on their current roster. 29 are player options. 14 of them are team options. Team options meaning the team can choose whether to keep the player and obviously the other is player option. It's up to the player whether the, to pursue free agency or stay on the current deals. We'll get stuff on that. It's going to be draft stuff and possible free agency stuff. But really, we won't know about free agency until after the draft. Just kind of give you guys a heads up on what's coming up over the next few episodes. Sounds good. Yeah. Focus on the draft. I don't know what it's going to be, but we'll have something. I'm still kind of figuring that out and working on it. Other than that, I don't think we really have a whole lot left in the NBA for this week. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Not NBA-wise. NBA I'm interested to see what happens with Daryl Morey whenever that pops back up. That's I was, you know, that that's really stood out to me this week. Why don't you take the lead on that and you keep an eye on him? <laughs> I will. I think that's a good project for you. Yeah, just just the, re, just tw- tweeting him every day. What's up, Daryl? Daryl Morey, watch with Bo Brady. Hey man, I, I follow follow guys like that. Guys that are yeah. way smarter, clearly smarter than all of us. Mm-hmm. I look up to those Speak people. Yourself, dude. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> Nate Silver, Daryl Morey, Donald it's, Trump. I mean, I'm I'm watching Chicago. I gave my list of teams that I'm going to be watching. You know, Chicago's one of them. I'm just really interested on those lower end teams that look like they're in just really bad shape. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago's fascinating. Then my my good buddy, you know, I'm Steven lives in Chicago and follows mm-hmm. the team, so. Oh, good. I try to keep an ear to the ground on Chicago. We should have him on next week. <laughs> I'll talk to him. He's at home. He's <laughs> I think he's still working from home. It could be funny. Tell us about Chicago. What's what's the What are people saying in Chicago? Are they happy? Are they mad? I would like to hear that. Be like, oh, I just spilled my beer. Oh, hold on. Like <laughs> <laughs> Chicago is a very interesting team. They got all new upper management. They got a coach. Yeah, Stephen would Stephen would be able to give us some not necessarily first as firsthand as it gets on this show. <laughs> yeah, could be interesting. Shout out Stephen. But yeah, I like I like where you're going. Like for instance, you know, you're saying Chicago's interesting. I I find the Timberwolves in- interesting because Gerson Rosas is a Daryl Morey pro- a student or work work with him, and is you know into star hunting as Daryl Morey was. So, and the Wolves had the number one pick. So mm-hmm. wh- wh- where's where are the Wolves going? What what the hell is going to happen with all that? Yeah, it is interesting. Fun. It's not necessarily a team in bad shape, but they do have a top pick. So yeah, they kind of go into that group of interesting teams for the draft i don't think there's a lot of teams that aren't interesting at all and i would rather just stay away from those anyway laddie you want to talk about some halloween movies yes we didn't get to it last week but we've got tons of time this week so why don't we get into yay it? what were we well, supposed to I don't do watch scary movies 
we're just going to talk about like the best and the worst, some of the best scary movies out there to watch for Halloween. Like Halloween movies is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Good Halloween movies. Movies that maybe you've seen. Movies you've heard about. I don't know. And if you haven't seen them, you maybe need to watch them because they're awesome. Maybe. Yeah, really, Halloween movies are just like scary movies, typically, right? Right. Yeah, yeah it's the same shit. Yeah, it's the same thing. It doesn't have to be a movie about Halloween. No, 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 no. But, like, I mean, scary movies and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you know, so whatever you think. Do y'all have, y'all have any go-to movies? Like, when oh. it's Halloween time, you want to get scary, you bring your friends over, your girlfriend or your kids, whatever. Is there, like, a go-to movie that y'all go watch or you watch somehow? Hmm. Yeah, to get festive, to get in the to get in the mood, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've got one. One I like Evil Dead. Yeah, go ahead, Bo. Evil Dead's good. Zombieland. Zombieland's awesome. Zombieland's great. I watched Evil Dead the other day for the first time. What'd you think? Well, twenty minutes into it, and I turned it off, but it was pretty good. No. Why'd you turn it off? uh, Just getting late, and I was like, "Eh, okay, I get it. I, I get the premise of it. It's not that it sucked or anything, but like I was like, all right, I get it. Yeah, it's, I just never seen it before, and I and, and that's Bruce Campbell's big deal, you know. I was kind of like looking through movies and kind of researching what I, what I found interesting was most of like really good scary movies are older. Yeah, like the, yeah, they're classics like eighties and seventies, and and some in the nineties, but mostly like eighties and seventies have like all the great scary movies. I agree. And I think, I think back then, like you didn't have the CGI's, you didn't have the makeup and stuff that you did and that you do now. So they had to like literally think outside the box about how to make these things work. And then and for what they had, they did a great job. Like the old twilight, uh, twilight zone. Remember the twilight zone movie? Yeah. Dude. Love that movie. That was one of my favorite of all time. So laddie, why don't you go? What's one to you? Uh, so I watched this as a kid and I love the name hands down. The name is the best ever something wicked this way comes. Okay. Did you ever watch that? I'm not familiar. I don't watch a lot of scary movies. Let me see. Well, me neither, but I was a kid and I watched it and it scared the shit out of me. And, um, let me see the year that it came out real quick. Well, Uh, it's a book from Ray Bradbury. Right, right, right. Um, It's 1983. 83 that's what okay, i thought 80s. yeah so right so anyways it, it, you're right it, it is a, it's a movie they it's a disney book. movie too huh. and it is awesome because the yeah. book came out and the book came out in 62 the movie came out in i don't think i've ever seen the movie so it's good huh dude it's really really good and i mean i guess long story short let me see if i can uh it's about two 13-year-old best friends, Jim Nightshade, that's a great name anyway, and William Holloway, and their nightmarish experience when a traveling carnival comes to the Midwestern home of Greentown, Illinois. Oh, no, dude, I've seen this. It's been a long time, though. Yeah, so the whole point is this, is like th- this guy's a carnival person, and these people show up there, and basically yeah. he... A, a woman wants to be like, you know, an older woman wants to be younger and sexier, right? So she basically, in turn, makes a deal for the with the devil. So she, she gets on a carousel, and when he puts it in reverse, next thing you know, she turns younger, right? Okay. But the problem is, is she's younger, but you have to give something, you know, it's like give and take, right? So she ends up being blind, but uh, she's still young. 
Right. So next thing you know, these two kids, uh, they start figuring it out. This Jim and William, they figure out, all right, there's something crazy going on here. So they try to get in touch with one of their dads and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like a really, really good story. And it was basically, I mean, there was really no CGI at the time. And I mean, it came out in 83, but it was a good story. And I was a young kid watching that. I was like, wow, you know, what if, what if this crazy shit happened when I was here? What would I do? You know? And those kids had a lot of balls, to be honest with you. It's a good movie now. It holds up now because it's just a kind of a dark, dark story, but it's really, really cool. All right. I'll go next. So, I was thinking about old movies and new movies, and I'm just going to start out with the Jordan Peele movies because they're newer and they're good. So I'm just going to lump these two together. It was Get Out and Us. Those are like good recent movies that are kind of scary, not necessarily horror movies. Get Out was the one where the dude, it's 2017, it's the one where the dude goes to meet the girl's family but it's there's all kinds of crazy shit that happens and it's people are like trapped there <laughs> do you guys remember right that? yeah that, yeah yeah that got like a, that got really good reviews yeah that's a good one and then Very good. the second movie he made that came out last year in 2019 was the doppelganger movie us where all the people have like twins and there's like a twist at the end I don't. I didn't really want to get too much into it because they're like newer movies, and some people may not have seen them. But yeah, I didn't the, see those. But those are both super fun watches. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, and Jordan Peele, you, Peel, you know, from Key and Peele, the sketch show. These are like his directorial debuts. I love him, man. Yeah. I think that dude. I love the fact that he can go from like outrageous comedy. Mm-hmm. to like something dark and mysterious and it's completely not his character i love that there's you know there's some comedy in those movies but it's not like it's like dark comedy right it's not like laugh out like it's not slapstick comedy like a sketch show or whatever right right it's like people getting murdered to the beach boys a song by yeah. the beach boys like <laughs> it's, it's funny stuff like that but <laughs> Those were good movies. I would recommend those. Bo, do you have any, or are we going back to Laddie? I mentioned Evil Dead. I like Zombieland. That's just like Zombieland. a super silly, fun one. I love Zombieland. Um, I'm trying to think, like my go-to scary movie, like the original Poltergeist. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that that's good. I like the Halloween movies are good. I remember one that stands out to me as a kid. I didn't really put it in my list, but I'll never forget watching it was Pet Cemetery 2. I think I saw it too young. I've never seen it. <laughs> I think I saw it too young, and that's why it stands out as like a scary creature. I'll show it to my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pets coming back to life and like killing people. Oh, yeah. my God. That would freak them out. <laughs> Hey, I saw Pet Cemetery, the original man, where it had Eddie Furlong was in it. <laughs> I thought that was the second one. Ah, that's probably the second one then. Yeah, I think yeah. he was in the second one. I think. Yeah, he was oh, in the no. second one. Yeah. I'm not even looking this up. I'm just going by my shitty memory. He, he's he's in all the second movies, like Terminator Two, and <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I tell I tell you one that I like. Uh, right. With different, here's like a, here's like maybe a few of them. When this came out, it was. I, I think nobody knew, but 
the Blair Witch Project. Remember yes, that? That's on my list. Dude, when that movie came out and people were like, wait, this is like real footage. And this is right before the age of like social media, right? Like maybe five years before social media took off. It was like and early handy, handy cam stuff. It looked yeah, real. Yes. It looked real. It, it looked so real. And then how it just ended. Yeah. Man, I mean, that movie, you're like, holy fuck, is that real or not? And the way that they promoted it, see, that's mm-hmm. what got everybody into the theater was, man, yo, this is from some some camera footage that we got, and apparently something happened. That was it. That yeah. was it. They made it. It was The promotion was done in a way to make it seem like it was a real story. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, well, then like a couple years later, you had, uh, oh, shit, what's it called? Cloverfield. Remember Cloverfield where like the person they they had a handheld camera and it was basically the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. but, but it was like a monster was coming after them. They, they tried ripping that off and I think it it was a decent kind of a movie, but Blair Witch was fucking awesome. Well, yeah, there were copycats afterwards. Well, I think a lot of it was that Blair Witch project was so cheap to make and it was so popular. It grossed. Well, it's like a quarter of a billion dollars, and it costs like thirty k or something to make. <laughs> so that was part, kind of part of why people copycatted it. Blair Witch made two hundred forty-eight million dollars. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, it was the the like student filmmakers go hiking in the woods to make a yeah. documentary about the Blair Witch, and then they go missing. A year later, their equipment and footage is discovered, and the then somehow, the- somehow that's released in movie theaters across the country. <laughs> yeah, you were right. The original budget was thirty-five <laughs> to sixty thousand yeah. dollars. The final film cost was two hundred to seven hundred fifty thousand. But still, that's after they paid that means- paid themselves and whatnot. <laughs> no, right? And but I mean, but when everything? Yeah. Well, right when they had the original shot, right for like right. the thirty-five to sixty. That's when they went and sold it to a bigger studio, and then right. they went ahead and made the finishing touches. They didn't change any of the cinematography or acting or any of that. Mm-hmm. They just changed. They just spent another five hundred thousand dollars, literally, on like changing. Actually, more than that, they spent um, seven hundred, excuse me, six hundred ninety thousand dollars on changing it. But mm-hmm. still, it was a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fun one to watch, and but. It was really fun when it came out because it was sold to us as a like a true story, and we're dumb and right. we believed it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've got one for you. Deliverance. That's a great movie. I don't. I don't think it was a Halloween scary movie, but it is kind of scary. It's a creepy ass movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? Yeah, it's from the seventies. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> John Void and in it. Yeah, John Void's in it. Yeah. It's the movie with the dueling banjos. It's got the iconic squealing pig rape scene. It just has like a like a realness to it. It's yeah. these guys they're going they're trying to get away from their jobs and their wives and so they go on this like canoeing trip out in the hills of Georgia. When they arrive, they're just not welcomed by the locals. And so they kind of like get attacked by these like hillbilly locals. It turns into a nightmare where the canoe trips turns into like a fight for of survival by these, dun, dun, dun. these guys. Yeah. And it all well, more like, yes, that's the one. 
And it's a very, very creepy ass movie. The guys are, it just seems so real. And I like, that's what I like about those old movies because they were made in a certain way to make it look real. No, it's a, it's, I mean, it's such a great movie. Yeah, it's a fun one. But that, that shit's creepy as hell when it, he's grabbing that dude out in the woods and he's got his buddy tied up by the neck. And he's watch, making him watch him rape his friend. It's crazy. And he got the, all the hillbilly characters. The guitar. The, it's fucked up. I've never seen it, dude. You've never seen that? You should watch that. That's great. Dude, they're saying uh, they're saying that like the, some of the potential lineup could have been Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson, uh, Robert Redford, Henry Fonda, and Donald Sutherland. How crazy is that? Like, I mean, they had a lot of people want to be in that movie, so that's kind of mm. cool. Wow, Gene Sisko gave it four stars. I don't think you understood me. That's really fucking good. I want to get some drivers. He said it's a gripping horror story that at times may force you to look away from the screen, but it's so beautifully filmed that your eyes will eagerly return. Wow. Who? The driver brothers. Yeah, where they live? It's crazy. I live back old that way. I uh, another one of two that I like. Did y'all ever see Paranormal Activity? I'm not sure. Like the first one, the first one, that one's really cool. Guy figures out like, oh, I'm going to film my film my bedroom, whatever. Next thing you know, like crazy shit happens. Um, that's really good. But another one was A Quiet Place. Did y'all see that? Mm-hmm. With Jim from The Office? Wait, you, you saw it, Jeff? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Dude, that is a good movie. If you want to talk about like a suspenseful movie, you need to watch that. Because I don't want to give too, I don't want to give too much away. But it's got Jim from The Office in it. What's his name? John Krasinski. Yeah. Uh, him and his his wife is in it actually as well. She plays his wife in. Um, man, that movie I would put on my top ten scary movies for sure, for sure. Come on, I'm here. Because it, it's suspenseful and the whole like you know, I don't want to give too much away if you haven't yeah haven't seen it you know. But it's awesome. I, I would advise watching that. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The bad part about it, this is actually really funny, is that like, and I don't know if y'all know this, but I mean, there's a, not a lot of dialogue in the movie because it's they're supposed to be quiet, right? Uh-huh. So here's the funniest part is that they're supposed to be quiet and they're also using maybe hands, like sign languages and whatnot. So when I watched it at, at the time I was living with this guy, my roommate, he basically downloaded it from some site, whatever, and everything was in Korean. So even when they actually spoke and you could see what, what the words were, the subtitles were all in Korean. So I didn't know what the fuck was happening in the whole movie, but it was really good. It was really, really good. Hang on. Lost. 
I believe you could, too. I believe you could. That's good. It's very good, sir. God damn, you play a mean banjo. God damn. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, Letty. Yes. What's that next one? <laughs> Did anyone see uh, the Clue movie? The Clue movie? Yeah. I might have watched that. The movie Clue? I don't think I finished that one. The Clue? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. But it just kind of makes me wonder, like, okay, so we're talking about, like, kind of scary Halloween movies and stuff like that. Is Edward Scissorhands, is that, like, a scary movie? That's, like, a fun movie. I guess it could be considered that because it's weird. Tim kind of Tim Burton. Yeah, it's just kind of fun. Tim Burton. Right. Tim Burton's like really cool and out there. Is it a Christmas movie? No, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> ho ho ho, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm all fired up after that deliverance music. I've got one. You remember this one? Twenty eight days later, came out. Twenty, yeah, came yeah. out. In, yeah, it came out in two thousand and two. It was like a zombie type movie. It was with that dude Killian Murphy. He was uh, Doctor Jonathan Crane in Batman Begins. He turns into like the Scarecrow or whatever. I got an interesting factoid about him that he, this guy, Killian Murphy, was actually asked to audition for the role of Bruce Wayne like Batman for that movie, mm-hmm. but he didn't want it, but he liked, he liked Christopher Nolan a lot. So they uh, ended up casting him as like a supporting role. He didn't want to be Batman. He didn't think he could play him well. Oh, really? Yeah. So 28 days later, it's like got this really great, what I, I've saw it in theater. It's got this great cinematography. It just looks really great on the screen. It's, it's a fun watch. It's kind of like what we're going through now with the coronavirus. It's a breakdown in society after an accidental release of a highly contagious virus. And the movie focuses on the struggle of four survivors and how they cope with the destruction of life they once knew while evading those infected by the virus. It's a good movie. Yeah. I don't really go for zombie movies typically, but that one was okay. I mean, I don't know if this is a whatchamacallit, a, a, scary, a scary movie, but it gets me in the mood. Beetlejuice. I love Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice yeah. is great. It's iconic. Yeah, it's one of the. Yeah, it's so good, dude. So many good one liners in that thing, too. <laughs> All right. I got one. This one seem, may seem obvious. It's a slasher Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. 1974. This one is a wow. group, yeah, it's a group of friends that fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. They're like going to see like a burial ground or something. Like they I think somebody was like robbing the graves or something. I don't know. They're going to check on the old homestead. And uh Leatherface has other ideas for him. He's the main character with the chainsaw. It's a very dark and violent movie. A lot of murdering, a lot of creepy ass shit in that movie but that's a classic again an older movie you guys seen that one no no i've never seen that no 
I'd like to see it. Sounds good. I like anything old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You got to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. It's so good. <laughs> uh, that one was on the level like with Deliverance, where it's just like an older, like super realistic movie that just creeps the shit out of you. Laddie, you got another one? Man, I just like uh, what I talked about earlier, but the Twilight Zone movies, I love those movies, man. It was so good. I think that each kind of story, they kind of just, they grab your attention, but it wasn't for like too long, you know, but it was for the right amount of time. And all four stories were just awesome. And because of that, so many people kind of got their start and got named because of that. I mean, the very first scene, you have Dan Aykroyd in it. Then you've got Johnny Depp was in it. Remember, he played the little kid. And then John Lithgow, remember the guy who was on the plane? And he was like, do you see the guy on the wing of the plane? He's out there. And how he just lost his shit. Dude, that got, that movie just made a lot of people have bigger careers and bigger roles, I think. And nice. so that's why I kind of really like it, too. Yeah, I'm all about that, too, man. You know, like, stuff like that. It's really cool. I'll go back and revisit that one. That's a damn good one. Remember the, the 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 very beginning of the scene is um that song in the midnight hour in the or midnight special in the midnight special and the guys are driving in the car. He picked he picked up this dude and he's like, man, you want to see something scary? He's like, yeah, and he shows him something. He starts laughing. He's like, hey, do you want to see something scary? And then he in the very beginning he's like, do 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 do. You've now entered the twilight zone. Like that was so iconic. Yeah. That music, that scene, that injury—you knew you were about to get fucking fucked mentally just <laughs> by sitting there watching it. And I loved it. Did you? Did y'all ever see Four Rooms? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the last the last scene of Four Rooms where it had like Quentin Tarantino was in there? No. And, it's been a very long time. Yeah, that movie's uh, so old. It's directed by Quentin Tarantino. One of my favorite movies ever. It's about a bellhop who goes to four different rooms and has four different crazy shit happen to him. In the last room, he's there with Quentin Tarantino, play somebody, and uh, the dude from Die Hard. What's his name? Bruce Willis. So they're in this room, and they're in this room, and basically it's like a bachelor party or something happened. Long story short, dude pulls out this lighter, and he says, I can light this five times in a row, like straight lighting. If it doesn't, I'm going to cut your fucking arm off. That story came from Ray, uh, excuse me, from uh, Alfred Hitchcock. When Alfred Hitchcock stories, mm-hmm. and then that just kind of—it's really, really good. They're kind of like psycho thrillers to a point, if that makes you know any sense. Yeah, and it, and it, and it put and it puts you in a situation to where you feel uncomfortable, and that's what was so good. We were talking about like the earlier, but like that's what was so good about these black and white movies. They didn't have to have the CGI. They didn't have to have the big name actor. Right. All they had to have was a really, really good idea, and they executed it perfect. And that's the kind of, and that's when you said like some of your older Jeff, uh, some of your favorite movies were the older movies. You, I agree a hundred percent with. Yeah. I agree. They had less to deal with, but they came out with more. That makes sense. It was yeah. It was something about the subtleties. It wasn't shock and awe. It was like this subtle, like creepy, slow movie. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, the shit hits the fan. Right. <laughs> you're, you're at a you're you're at a party. You're having fun. You're having a bunch of drinks. And then someone just says one thing. He goes, "Hey, I bet I can like this five times. What do you think, dude? 
you know how many people's attention that would grab? And that's not a normal thing. Oh, by the way, if you lose, I cut your fucking hand off or a finger off or whatever. Yeah, like, finger off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, now, we're, now we're actually about to have this really good party. Like, I don't want to be here, kind of. You know what I'm saying? But that's how how quick it turned. Then you mentally are changed, and there was no big monster. There was no plague. There was no whatever. It was just one question changed the whole dynamic of a fucking show, and I love it. Nice. Is it my turn? Yeah. All right. Mine's going to be one from 96. It really stood out to me at the time. It was a movie called Scream. Scream? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was good. That was good. I I, I was good. I always thought Nev Campbell was like super hot. I thought she was the worst actress ever. But she was hot though. I don't know what it was. I think it was her eyes. But, uh. That movie came out on December twentieth. It's a little nice Christmas film. It was unique. That was a good ass movie. Yeah, it was unique because like the characters all were aware of like horror films and openly discussed the cliches of horror films as the movie went on, you know? It was like the first time that really happened in a movie, I think. Did you know it was inspired by a real life case? The Gainesville Ripper? Really? Hmm. Yeah. Leave it to Florida. Florida, man. Yeah, Gainesville, Florida. Yep. The Gainesville Ripper was an American serial killer who murdered five students over four days in late August of 1990. He later confessed to raping several of his victims, committing triple homicide in Shreveport, Louisiana, and attempting to murder his father in May of 1990. In total, this guy, Daniel Harold Rawling, confessed to killing eight people. He was sentenced to death in mm. 1994 and was executed by lethal injection in 2006. It's a real story. It was based on... It was a huge movie in the 90s. It's a massive yeah. movie. What's the name of the movie? Scream. Scream. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant there was a, like, a made-for-TV movie, sir. No, no, no. Uh, Scream was based on that story. So we talked about this during like during the radio show. It was one of our topics, like with the, and and Scream ended up being one of them. And what I like about Scream is the fact you know something's gonna happen. It's like a Michael Myers movie, like a Halloween movie, right? But you nailed it, Jeff. They made it so real because they already know about other scary movies. It's like a they lot of know foreshadowing. About is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 pretty much. You, you, because you, you can kind of tell what's going to happen, but you don't know who the killer is. You know, there's going to be a killer. You know, there's going to kill people, but you don't know who's going to die, who the killer is, and it's going to be a fucked up twist and turn yeah. when it is. They leave you hanging the, the whole time. The the uh, ghost face killer. That was the name of the killer. It was ghost face. They, you never know who he is, really. Like it's somebody in a mask. The crazy part about it, though, is that when they would show somebody's face and it would look like, Oh wait, they want to kill that person or not. You know what I'm saying? And next thing, but like they would, they would end it on in the scene on something crazy like that. So it fucks with your mind. You're thinking, Oh my God, he's the killer. Holy shit. He's the killer. And the next thing you know, he's not like, it's awesome. Yeah. It starts out with that phone call scene. It's the killer talking to the first victim of the movie. And they're like discussing horror movies. I don't know. It was pretty creepy beginning. He's like, I'm watching you or I can see you or whatever the hell it is. 
Anyway, a bunch of kids die, and there's like a twist at the end revealing who Ghostface is. But did you know it was the highest grossing slasher film until the release of Halloween in 2018? Nuh-uh. It still remains. Really? It still remains the highest grossing slasher film in adjusted dollars. So that's like with inflation or whatever. I believe that that thing was so popular. It was huge. What do you think? What do y'all think Rotten Tomatoes gave it? I don't care. This is whatever guess. Eighty. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna huh? say seventy six. I'm gonna say eighty two. Real close. Seventy eight though. Seventy eight. IMDb gave it seven out of ten. I mean. I thought I mean, that, that doesn't mean shit. They don't mean shit, but I'm just, you know. No, it doesn't. But the, that was at the time, like, that was a huge fucking movie. And it, it holds yeah, up. I mean, it's still fun to watch. I've watched it. Yeah. I've watched it in the last five or years or so. Uh, dude, I, it's been on TV this year. I've watched it. Most people give it a four out of five, though. Four and a half out of five. I thought that was a pretty iconic, scary movie. I, you know, I do like the Nightmare on Elm Streets. When those first came out, they were they were new. The whole concept of Freddy Krueger was new, but the way that they like made him go, he did two, three, and they kept making them. But it was a good concept. I liked it. You know, you go to sleep and the dude kills you, and you don't know if you're dreaming or not. Oh, in the original script, Freddy was a child molester, according to IMDb. The villain changed to a child killer because producers want to avoid comparisons to a story of a, in California about a series of child molestations at the time of filming. Wow. Yeah, I don't think you ever want to put that out in a movie anyway. Like, let's just kill him. Yeah. For some reason, that's more acceptable. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. I didn't know that. I think that this, yeah, I think that subject is. You just don't want to go there. Yeah, especially as a, yeah, as a, as a, and he's a killer too. Hmm. Wow. Gross. Yeah, no shit. You're fucked up there, Freddy Krueger. Or Wes Craven. Do you remember that other movie that came out in 1996 called The Craft? Yeah. Now, this is not, yeah. not a super scary movie, but I recently made my girlfriend watch it because it's like a nostalgia thing. Again, it's Nev Campbell. <laughs> Was your favorite TV show Party of Five? Maybe. Yes, it was. The Craft was a. It was. I guess it was kind of like a Halloweenish movie. It's about witches, like these girls, like they're wannabe witches, right? Yeah, it was a good movie. So they like. I don't know. There's a girl. One of the girls moves to Los Angeles from somewhere else, and there's these other three girls that look at her as like the missing witch. To finish out their group or whatever i don't know they start causing trouble you know it's just a story about teenage girls causing trouble being witches just girls being, being girls just girls being girls backstabbing each other and messing around causing trouble messing with the boys minds and whatnot and performing witchcraft it's i guess it's like kind of halloweenish i don't know that and Scream kind of go together. Like, if you watch Scream, like, you go watch The Craft afterwards, I guess. That whole era just kind of goes together. Well, you want, you want to throw another one in the mix, and you can throw in The Crow. The Crow, yeah. The Crow was with Brandon Lee, remember? And, like, he got mm-hmm. killed on Halloween. And next thing you know, The Crow that came and basically brought his body back to life, and he went to go venge the people that killed his girlfriend. Yeah. Right? The soundtrack was fucking awesome. The movie was pretty good too. But the Nev- whole the whole 
the, the, the whole stigma about it was that Brandon Lee got killed in that movie by the making of that movie. Oh. And Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's son. So that's what they're kind of saying. So it's really weird. You watch that movie, you know that story. Then you go watch the movie about Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee movie, you know? And then it kind of talks about that. And it kind of foreshadows that, that but, it, but it doesn't. It's very fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. I think what I like about those 90s movies is that they're not exactly like great movies. Like they're not going to go down in history as like, great cinematography mm-hmm. movies or anything like that they're just like they're almost kind of cheesy right they're just fun just to fuck off and watch for once in a while I'm, I'm telling you it's surprising to me though but but i think that uh scream is going to be one of those movies man i think it's one of those movies when you when people would start nailing the you know the big ones out i think screams there yeah i mean it's not like an awesome movie like heat or anything from the mid 90s Oh, wow. It was like its own little weird Halloween. Like, you go see Scream in the theater, you know, and you take a date or a bunch of friends, and you have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I hate when when they just kind of, like, make movies to make movies because of, like, timing. I remember there was a movie called Valentine or something like that, and it was, like, a scary movie coming out at Halloween. Like, seriously? Did you ever see Jeepers Creepers 2? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Man, that movie, that movie, I, I don't like scary movies, but that one's kind of scary, but it's still, it, it's done really well, especially for like a sequel. It's basically like these kids are on a school bus. The school bus breaks down in like the middle of Iowa in cornfields, right? So it's just one road and that's what they got. And this big fucking, I don't know, flying demon monster lands on their fucking bus and they're like it's like i'm not leaving until you fucking leave <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it is awesome and so these high school kids it's like they had to figure out a way to survive and like live through this thing that's basically not leaving until he kills everybody it's a fucking awesome movie the concept is great. See, that's, that's the kind of person that I am. As long as I like the concept of it and I think it's kind of legit, I may dig it. So some movies I like people don't like, and that's cool too, you know? But Jeepers Creepers are a perfect example. It's cheesy as shit, but the concept's like, all right, well, I've never seen nothing like this before. Now get out of it, you know? I don't, I don't remember Jeepers Creepers. Dude, Jeepers Creepers too, bro. Check it out. Do you remember Silence of the Lambs? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's kind of a big movie. It's from 1991 with Jodie Foster. That was a creepy-ass fucking movie, huh? Yeah. Jodie Foster's a top student at the FBI training academy. And then like, and they, go to, they go to Memphis. Yeah, that, there's like a Memphis connection there. I remember that. Mm-hmm. She has to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by yeah. Anthony Hopkins. He was a brilliant psychiatrist who was also a violent psychopath serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. (laughs) I mean, that sets the tone right there for the movie, huh? Absolutely. They believe that Lecter may have insight into a case with uh, Buffalo Bill who kills young women and then removes their skin. So they think like Jodie Foster, you know, as an attractive young woman, Maybe just the bait to draw him out. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I remember that Memphis, they like have to fly Hannibal to Memphis, right? And that's where the whole like mask, yeah. he's like strapped to that dolly and the whole mask scene, all that comes from. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't that's, know that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Laddie, do you have any more? I got one more. That's it. No, dude. I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of. You know, oh yeah, I got one more for you. Have you All ever right. seen Tucker and Dale? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Tucker and Dale. It, this is the best movie ever because it's a scary movie that spoofs all scary movies, and it's a comedy, and it's fantastic. So basically, it's like Tucker and Dale are a bunch of rednecks that live out in the woods. And if you are in a bunch of teenagers in a scary movie, those would be the guys that are playing the dual banjos. You feel what I'm saying? Yep. Well, next thing you know, these kids are trying to run away from Tucker and Dale, thinking that they're going to harm them when they're not. They're just dumb rednecks. So these kids basically end up getting themselves into more trouble and crazy shit happening to them because they're judging a book by its cover. Right. Mm -hmm. And so... It spoofs all those movies. The Jasons, the fucking Freddy shit, the everything. It spoofs all of them. Oh, okay. But like, it's a real movie. It's not a spoof movie. Dude, it's hands down one of my favorite movies. It's perfect. Okay. I've never seen that one. Tucker and Dale, it's got, I think it got great ratings too. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you're looking it up. I just shut my computer, but like, it got great ratings too, man. So people are like, okay. And it was like one of those low key kind of movies. It didn't get a lot of national publication on it. And, and it was basically a, a cult film that was word of mouth. Yeah. Roger Ebert gave it a positive review. Uh, somebody else called it surprisingly clever, but not too sick and too cute. I don't know what that means. Yeah. 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 It's not super cheesy, man, right? right? But it's done really, it's done, you have to watch it. Yeah. Like, after after all this shit we've talked about and all these movies, watching this movie, it makes perfect fucking sense. And you laugh your ass off and be like, oh my God, it, it only gets better and better and better as you watch it. Yeah, let's see, 2010. Yeah, the cover looks weird. Uh, he's got a chainsaw, yeah. like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah, I, right. I get it. I get it. It's like, like you said, these kids that these kids look at these guys as like they're the bad people, but there's actually something out there. You know what I'm saying? And so now you've got three sets of things. You've got the thing out there. You got Tucker and Dale, and then you have these fucking kids that are lost, just like in any fucking horror movie. Oh, the kids are lost. They're going to Crystal Lake, you know, for fucking Jason and shit. It's it's an awesome movie, hands down. I got you. Bo, do you, have you thought of any movies that you remember or liked? Honestly, no. Yeah, it's no big deal. Just asking. I got one more, and then that's it. You know, like I try to think of movies and just like really think about what movies I liked watching. The last one I have is The Shining from 1980 with Jack Nicholson. You remember that one? Have you ever? Have you yeah. guys seen that one? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a classic, right? Yeah, that's a good movie, then. So this is a nice little story about a guy played by Jack Nicholson. He's an aspiring writer and a recovering alcoholic. He accepts in a position as the off-season caretaker of the isolated historic Overlook Hotel in the Colorado Rockies. 
So I guess Jack thinks he can use this time to, you know, do some writing or whatever. But the place is like haunted, has like a bad past. And his son possesses The Shining, which is psychic abilities that enable him to see into the hotel's past. So there's like a hotel cook too, this guy Dick. He also has the ability and he's able to communicate with Jack's son telepathically. And I guess the hotel had like a previous winter caretaker who went insane and killed his family and himself. And then like after a winter storm, I guess it leaves the compound like snowbound. Well, Jack's sanity deteriorates due to the influence of the supernatural forces that inhabit the hotel, placing his wife and son in danger. So basically, like, Jack Nicholson loses his shit, starts murdering and terrorizing people, and then at the end of the movie, he, like, gets lost in a hedge maze and freezes to death like an idiot, and that's pretty much what happens. But it has the classic scene of Jack Nicholson, like, breaking through the door with the axe and all that. It's just an iconic movie, you know, a scary Halloween movie. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. That's great. Yeah, I really like that movie. I think that he, uh, I think he did great. Oh, I think yeah. the whole story was good too. I, I, like I said, I think the whole story was good too. And there's just so many like iconic scenes. It just goes back to everything you just said. Like you didn't have to have glitz, glamour. Like right. there was nothing. There was no special effects at all in that fucking movie. I don't think. Yeah. <clears throat> it ends up being one of the best. I like the Simpsons take on uh, The Shining. They had on the they had a good Treehouse of Horror oh, okay. spoof on on The Shining. <laughs> and actually, that's now bring that now that I bring that up. The, all the Treehouse of Horrors from The Simpsons, I always make a point to watch those. Those are always great. Next, time, I do, I do too. Yeah, next time Pat's on, you guys need to talk about The Simpsons. He fucking love, he watches them all. I haven't. I, I've like missed a bunch of seasons and i haven't i haven't caught up i'd like to was, watch them all though i was watching one the other day man treehouse of horrors i like those too yeah those are always fun the simpsons halloween specials they are fun they are i feel like the guys the writers and all those the uh, creators everybody i think they really get into like the halloween shit so they have fun with that when they're making them you know that's what i feel like yeah, I think you're right. And one of my favorite things to do is when this when the episode is over, if you read the names, they have like middle names or something, you know, like mm-hmm. Matt Zombie Groning or you know, like oh yeah, and, the and you, goofy if, stuff. Yeah, if you look at them though, it's a lot of their inside jokes. You can kind of tell, you know. Yeah, they're having fun. Yeah, I really dig that. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I ain't got nothing left, guys. How about you? You guys got any plans for yeah. next week? Yeah, I got I got a um, compliment, Jeff, on the House of Hoops shirt. Oh, nice. Yeah, somebody really liked the logo. They thought it was really cool. I was right. like, yeah, man, I dig it too. That's cool, man. Uh, John Broach nice. made those logos. Nice, they are cool. He made that graphic. I told him what I wanted. And, you know, it took a lot of going back and forth, but he made sure. it happen. Yeah. But it's just good when somebody else gives you a compliment on it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool, right on. You know, I mean, I dig it anyway. But it's just always good, you know, to get get, get feedback from people. Yeah, yeah, I still got a few to give away. I've given most of them away, but I got a few that I haven't seen these people 
I'm not trying to you mail a shirt. That. I'm not trying to mail a shirt to somebody that lives in the same city as me. Um, yeah, that's true. Dude, let's give them away now. Caller, caller what? 10? Caller 10? Call right now. What's the phone number? <laughs> um, yeah, what is it? 901-300-6575. You know, if you call it, I might fucking answer it. <laughs> Normally, I let it go to the voicemail, but, you know, I might just fucking answer it. So that would be hilarious. Actually, why don't you do that? Why don't you give if someone calls and leaves a message, give them a um that means you had to listen to the entire podcast too. So <laughs> so you deserve something. I say. Yeah, you can reach us. We're on Twitter. It's at House of Hoops, H A U S of Hoops, and we're on Instagram too. House yeah. of at House of Hoops Podcast. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Laddie. Appreciate you, man. Hey. Yeah, thank you. Go watch those movies, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Watch it. I need a report next week. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Also, Bo has left us, so I want to thank Bo for coming on. Appreciate you, Bo. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. I'm flying, flying in a frame of my mind that time cannot erase. I'm seeing, seeing the future, the past As I lay the present to waste I'm scoping, scoping all these feelings I have And hoping for them to come true And I'm holding something more precious than fine or baby I'm holding you I'm breathing breathing the fumes of the grid that rid my lobe of oxygen I'm climbing climbing the walls to where good and evil make amends I'm tripping, tripping writhing and squealing puking looking for someone like you and I'm holding something more precious than fine ore baby I'm holding you
flying, flying in a frame of my mind that time cannot erase. I'm seeing, seeing the future, the past as I lay the present to waste. I'm scoping, scoping all these feelings I have and hoping for them to come true. And I'm holding something more precious than fine ore, baby. I'm holding you. And I'm holding something more precious than fine ore, baby. I'm holding you.